It's time now for the PDXO WASP podcast, brought to you by the Open Web Application Security Project. The views of the guests do not necessarily represent the views of OWASP, their sponsors, and other stakeholders. Enjoy the show. Our special guest today is Sarba Roy. Sarba is currently a product security consultant at Umqua Bank, where she's collaborating and acting as a security advisor to the product teams when new technologies and or business needs are identified. She is also the Oregon Affiliate Membership Chair for Women in Cybersecurity, or better known as WESIS. And she's also the Oregon Chapter Lead for InfoSec Girls and a founding member of Women H2H, a global community for women leaders and change makers. She is also a passionate volunteer and advocate for women's empowerment and education equity, while being an artist, writer, and mentor at heart, dedicated to helping individuals and organizations to become more compassionate, curious, and cyber smart. Check out our recent presentation on our OWASPDX YouTube channel called My Journey to Becoming a CISSP, Life Lessons and Study Tips. Other links mentioned during our interview with Sarba can be found in this podcast RSS feed. Thank you so much for visiting us today, Sarba. How are you doing? Thank you so much, John, for having me. And it's my absolute pleasure to be here with you and Quiz today. It's a beautiful day in Portland, and I think you're in Portland, right? I'm in Hillsboro, so I live in a very beautiful neighborhood near Tannisburn. So it's amazing out here today as well. Yeah, that's a great area. So tell us about your journey into security. How did you get your start? So thank you, first of all, for that question. So I have a story to tell here because I grew up as that nerdy girl who was always into books and who loved reading, thanks to my late grandmother. And uh, one of the books that I picked up in my late teens was The Digital Fortress, which was by Dan Brown. And as you know, that uh, that book actually changed my perspective about things because it was, again, not something that was a fantasy. It was very different. And it was focused on security, on cryptography, on Enigma machines. So that stuff just changed my perspective about life. And mm. somewhere in, inside me, uh, I wanted to do something in this field. And I mean, when I graduated with a bachelor's degree in computer science in 2012, like every other uh, person who is starting in this industry, I had no clue of what I was supposed to do ahead. But luckily, I think I got an opportunity to work as a um, security analyst in a leading uh, consultancy firm. And that one step actually changed my life. And I started my career in cybersecurity. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. The reason why I think originally we were talking is that you recently gave a, a wonderful presentation uh, <laughs> about passing the SIS exam, right? The Certified Information System Security Professional, hence the short word, even though even the, the CISP is long, right? Um, and we posted that on our YouTube channel. We've been getting some good feedback from that. Um, so you, it sounded like you started about 2012 Yes. And up to now, yeah, that'd be about the right time. How was? How did you decide, or why, and how did you decide to do that exam? That's that's a lot of work. Yes, uh, and I think like every other professional who is, uh, I mean, busy working, especially in cybersecurity, where there's 
every day is a new adventure or a new roller coaster ride so mm-hmm. i had this aspiration to do my ciss but also i think i was battling my insecurity of whether i would really make it because you know the stakes are too high because it's such a tough exam uh, as well but mm-hmm. uh, i mean when i actually moved to uh, netherlands somewhere in 2017 from india and uh, that's when my resolve to do ciss became stronger because i was moving from a pen testing role to a more broader risk management and security strategy role and uh, but yet that will power actually somehow was not yet there and uh, the best thing that happened to me was in 2019 when i moved to the us and took a small break from work my husband uh, who works for intel so he actually inspired me he gave me that push to just face that exam head on so it's the funny story here so he actually went ahead and asked me to book the exam right then and there and with <laughs> just four months at hand i booked that exam and i didn't know what was ahead of me but i decided to take that leap of faith um and i think with some rigorous studying and with some great guidance from mentors around the world i was able to see my dream dream coming true as i held mm-hmm. that paper that i had passed my ciss so i was so ecstatic and i was so happy i like that first thing that you said because you have to schedule that exam yes. even when you're not ready i think that's one of the most important things because i i went through that same thing The second piece what I like is uh, you mentioned I was watching your video mm-hmm. and of course there's the test materials there's lots and you go through all of that in greater detail so I recommend people listening to that it's wonderful yeah. but one of my favorite resources and you said it too was Reddit yes. cuz Reddit when you go to Reddit they're not going to do a data dump on it Absolutely. Um, what they do <laughs> yeah. I I just remember I don't know if you read that but uh, especially when the 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 exam changed mm-hmm. the first thing they talked about like the first 100 questions that that would have probably in in stop for me too yeah. but the biggest thing that I got out of it was that once you were done with the test mm-hmm. you go to a different room there's the the proctor or somebody yes. and they're the, <laughs> I called the the results person and they said that <laughs> there's a printer behind them yes and if it's one page right <laughs> you you pass but if that thing is chugging out like a lot of pages <laughs> I, you don't need yeah, just walk away you you just didn't pass away. it yeah. yeah and i'm just <laughs> hearing it just starting to print i'm hearing the machine start up warm up you know zzz, and i'm like holding my breath it's okay the page is coming out it's done okay i think i passed yeah i got that from reddit so some of that whole psychology came from there outside yes. of the exam which i for me anyway helped me tremendously Absolutely I mean I agree with you John and maybe something to add is that that whirring sound right of the printer it seems mm-hmm. like a lifetime although it is like a <laughs> so it's like Einstein's quote uh, on how things are relative when you are in a different situation so yeah and I absolutely agree with your point on Reddit because again it's more like a banter of friends who are just sharing their experiences straight from heart without any filter i think that sometimes helps a lot in also motivating you and getting you uh, 
uh, I, I mean, keeping you going uh, through this exam journey because it's a extremely emotionally taxing experience as well as we prepare for that exam. So, <laughs> so I love love the idea of uh, Reddit, and I'm also thankful to OAS Portland. I think I just want to take a moment to appreciate you, Kendra, Terry, uh, Quiz, and everyone who's also giving a voice to the people, the professionals here in the Portland area, in the Oregon area and beyond to, you know, just share these important learnings because I think learning and sharing is a key component in our own DNA as cybersecurity professionals. So I appreciate all the good work that you all have been doing. I, I think we have to blame Quiz, right? We blame you, Quiz, for that. <laughs> No, it's it's great. We we all benefit from sharing, like you said, sharing our learnings, talking about the the challenges that we're working through, you know, and, and getting getting the collaboration going, getting the the security velocity up at our different organizations. It's it's been fun to watch. So Sarba, I had a question for you. You said that you, you know, you kind of started in penetration testing yes. and then pivoted to more kind of broader risk, broader strategy. Yes. You know, reading some of your other interviews that you've had with people and looking at your history, mm-hmm. you know, we, we often tell younger people, you need to specialize, 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 specialize. But in your case, it seems like, you know, especially now you're, you're more, more of a generalist and you're able to do lots of different verticals like risk, like pen testing, like AppSec. Right, right. Can you talk about the work you do as a generalist and, and what things kind of equipped you to be a generalist? And if you'd advise that to to others or just share your thoughts on it? Sure, Quiza. Thank you so much. I think that's a, a great question. So right now, I think I'll maybe give some perspective on my current role. So I work as a product security consultant here at Umpqua Bank. And uh, as you rightly said, so I moved from a in-depth uh, focused role uh, in pen testing to a more broader role in IT risk uh, during my role in Amsterdam. And since then, what I realized is that, uh, and that also actually helped me develop my perspective as a professional because I always imagined security specialists to be those uh, experts who, you know, knew just one thing and they knew each and everything about it. And that sometimes overwhelmed me because uh, there are so many areas and topics in cybersecurity. And if you uh, focus on being an expert in every such area, then you might uh, end up uh, feeling a little insecure about your skills as well. So this broader scope actually gave me an idea that there is also an option where you need to have an understanding of different uh, I mean, elements of the jigsaw puzzle that form the security landscape. So for example, in my current role, I'm like acting and collaborating as a security advisor to the high value banking uh, product teams. Whenever there are new digital technologies or business needs which are identified. So what this means is like I need to Uh, establish basically a product security roadmap uh, with my deliverables and milestones. Uh, 
to ensure that there's uh, an incremental onboarding of these banking products integrated with security right from uh, and also considering different elements like vendor security like threat intelligence uh, uh, appsec and also uh, inter team relationships stakeholder management uh, reporting uh, and also looking at compliance so i i just want to also tell this to everyone out there that if you also like doing different things in security there are so many consulting roles out there that can help you live that dream so do not i mean live in that notion that you need to just specialize in just one area even when you do not like it or enjoy it fully so this is completely your oyster and you can just carve your own journey in any way that you like so this That's is my nice, take right? yeah yeah and, and i think on that too like a lot of a lot of people get overwhelmed with having to choose a specialty because they don't really yeah. know what they're good at they don't really know what they like Absolutely. And so I think it's also a story of you can try something on, get good at it, and it's just going to give you more empathy and more understanding if you choose a different role later on. Yes, yes. Completely agree. Yeah. So Sarva, you are a founding member of Women H2H, mm-hmm. which started early 2020, I think. What yes. is the mission of that organization? Uh, so thank you so much for uh, that question. So Women Heart to Heart or H2H, it's like a global heart-centered community of women uh, influencers and change makers so what we want to do is uh, we want to just uh, create this global network of women who are coming together and mastering about new ways to approach work and also you know just co-creating these vibrant waves of human energy uh, so the idea is that we want to evolve not just our workplaces but also to evolve uh, us as a better uh, version of us as humanity as a whole uh, because i think the challenge that most women face is that when they move to a workplace and if they are in a, a leadership position they are also uh, molding themselves to be like men and to have that you know or to hide their empathetic side uh, uh, i mean away from the world what we want to do is we want to build this uh, generation of strong empathetic kind yet assertive women who are uh, able to uh, represent themselves in their best versions at work while also you know um, uh, this being very realistic and you know shattering that superwoman image and uh, being very kind to oneself because i think women in general are very hard to themselves uh, and they just want to be the best in at work at home so this is a community of empathy and compassion that just wants to discuss these things and wants to this create a better uh, version of ourselves with realistic expectations. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then you're also uh, a membership chair for the women in cybersecurity yes. and the chapter lead for InfoSec Girls. Tell us about those organizations and for all of this, how can people get involved? Yeah, thank you so much John for that question. So, uh, I think Women in Cybersecurity is again a global network of women leaders uh, in cybersecurity and it is 
uh, with this idea that they want to empower, enable, and support women, irrespective of their experience levels, irrespective of their cultural backgrounds, to build a career in cybersecurity. And here, especially in Visis Oregon, I think we have some exceptional leaders like Dr. Mona Lisa Pinkney, LJ Johnson, and other great leaders here. And our idea is to empower and enable women in Oregon, especially. Uh, and with InfoSec Girls, it started off as a community in India, and it is now spreading with around the world with chapter leaders from different cities. So. We want to also get women and girls more curious about cybersecurity in general. Uh, because I think sometimes as girls uh, or women from different backgrounds, there's this notion that it, if it is security, it is going to be a tough technical subject and uh, you cannot really build a career. So we want to shatter all those notions. Uh, and if anyone wants to especially join Visis Oregon, I would encourage them to re reach out uh, at, to me directly or uh, I mean, connect with us through our LinkedIn page and stay updated because we post events. And for InfoSec Girls, we have a very amazing website. So please go there and look at it and then reach out to any of the chapter leaders uh, to see if you want to get involved further. But I would really encourage everyone to just take a look at these communities. They are amazing. And we'll post those links in our RSS feed too, so yeah. you can look at them. You did say something interesting. I was going to ask you, mm -hmm. in regards to cybersecurity, yeah. uh, as opposed, and obviously you don't know all the other career paths out there, yeah. but unique to cybersecurity, what are some of the biggest challenges you see, especially today, in regards to women coming into it. You mentioned previously mm -hmm. there might be a perception that cybersecurity is really rough, but are there other challenges too? Uh, I think, John, uh, uh, the question, I mean, to answer your question, I think the basic problem that most of us have is that the moment if we uh, hear a, uh, about a person or we see a person or we um, just, you know, look at them, we form some notions about them. So usually I think with women also the main problem uh, that we face in this industry is sometimes stereotyping. Because if a woman is working maybe as a cryptographer, uh, because I did hear about the interview of a famous cryptographer who's based out of uh, Finland. So she said that usually whenever she goes to security conferences, she is mistaken to be someone who's serving coffee. And that's something which is, you know, quite shocking. So the main barrier that we all need to break is that we need to shatter uh, notions about people by just looking at them or, uh, you know, before knowing them. So we need to have that empathy to understand that person's story, to realize the level of their knowledge before, uh, you know, just generalizing that they may not be technical enough, they may not be knowledgeable enough. So to welcome more people or more women or more diversity in cybersecurity, I think we need to begin with empathy and with this idea that you cannot form stereotypes. You need to shatter them. That's great, Sarda. 
like on that, I think one of the challenges I have in this social media crazed world we live in, you know, whether it's it's fitness and Instagram or happy families and Facebook right. or cybersecurity wizards and Twitter, mm-hmm. like you were saying, it's so easy to have these perceptions of, of who people are or how much they know or what they're good at and to measure yourself against them is it can, can be daunting. Yes. Kind of a side thing, like women on in InfoSec on Twitter Mm-hmm. And, you know, authors of books, probably half, at least half of my heroes in InfoSec are women. There are so yes. many awesome women leaders that, you know, that we all can look up to. Question about, is it, we, how do you say women in cybersecurity? So it's, it's we sis, so we sisters, or we, it's like a sisterhood of cybersecurity. So it's we sis. So is we sis open to, to men joining as well? Like if yes. we... Okay. I I almost jumped out of my chair. So quiz, thank you. Uh, I think Vsys is open to allies, to men, and you're always welcome to join and support this community. That's awesome. And then, like, I know one of the things for myself with OWASP that's been super helpful is mm-hmm. the ability to do projects with other people and have, you know, not just networking, but have things that we're doing together so that you can see how each other think and work and work under stress. Are there similar types of projects that you've been involved in or that are that are active in some of these these nonprofits so that younger people can network with people in a way that they can other others can evaluate kind of their stick to itness and follow through? Yes, um, I mean thanks for that question. So uh, I think mentoring is a key focus area for all the communities that I am part of. Uh, that includes VSIS, InfoSec Girls. We for InfoSec Girls, I'm very excited to announce that we are we actually the three of us. Uh, uh, I mean, the four of us from the InfoSec team, uh, girls team. We created a mentoring program, which is going to be launched this Sunday, and it is open to both girls and boys, men and women across the world. And we want to, again, just prom- not just promote women, but also diversity here. And apart from that, I want to take a special mention of two other communities, like there's something called Breaking Barriers for Women in Cybersecurity. It's a lean-in circle. And um, I have also shared the link for that. Uh, they have they are also planning with uh, to come up with many uh, leadership development kind of programs for women to also not just uh, become subject matter experts in cybersecurity, but also develop that thought leadership and that voice in cybersecurity, which I think is pretty amazing. And then there is Empower Her Cybersecurity. So they are also uh, collaborating with uh, uh, different organizations and launching these mentorship programs, which are absolutely free for women of color uh, to, you know, enroll themselves and uh, get that feedback from recruiters, from other experts to create, to break into this industry and also to develop their skills in this industry. So I think mentoring is, again, a key focus area for most of the communities that I'm part of in cybersecurity. Sorry, but do you mind talking a little bit about your Women in Security Scholarship that you got from Black Hat Europe? Yes, uh, so thank you. And uh, I think for me, uh, I had always dreamt of attending Black Hat and RSA. 
so both of these uh, and way when i was back in india i think uh, i never really got that exposure to get into these conferences and uh, i didn't also maybe spend that time to learn more about them so when i moved to the us i think i was very interested but and i then i think when there's a quote that goes that when a student is ready the teacher appears so when i was just thinking of you know registering for that event i got a link uh, where i could apply for a scholarship so that link i think was enabled by in uh, insecurity so that is a group here, there in uk so i just applied for it taking that leap of faith and luckily i got through and uh, experienced black hat europe 2020 and a similar thing again happened to me thanks to visas so i also attended the rsa conference 2021 and it was such a fantastic experience altogether so just loved the experience and thanks to these forums for you know enabling these scholarships for women and for um, everyone who's interested to learn more on these events so sarva you mentioned that you're an artist and first a predictable question does your <laughs> art help your security career and then second this is one i like better <laughs> what about the other way around you being a security professional does that influence your art in any way so to be honest uh, john <laughs> i think i'm a weird person if you see me on a regular day right if you see me via cctv camera you'll see me working then you'll see me scribbling things on a notepad you'll see me uh, painting stuff randomly so the walls of my home uh, home uh, is like they're just filled with uh, waste cardboard papers which are recycled into pieces of art because i'm i'm fascinated by folk art from around the world and i like adapting all those uh, colorful patterns into these uh, and also recycling uh, paper and plastic in that uh, process so as a security professional i am fascinated with this concept of defense in depth where it's not just about using one layer of defense but also thinking laterally from different perspectives to pro- protect our assets and our data and our people so in art also the analogy that i feel is relevant is that uh, in an art piece right the more you put detail into it the more beautiful it becomes so i'm into dot mandalas and i like creating those repeated patterns in layers so i draw that analogy of defense in depth with my dot mandala paintings where you whenever it's security you need not just think from one direction you need to think from different perspectives you need to put different colors you need to put different patterns to ensure that your land secure i mean your it landscape is secure so That's the best I can think of for now. <laughs> no, that's great. And I think what especially when people talk about, you know, there's this technology aspect and mm-hmm. technology's technology and, you know, truth values, truth tables, you know, very engineering like. But then mm-hmm. there is an art, right? Particularly when we 
talk about things like being an attacker or yes. defender that we sort of have to think into the minds of whoever the the agent is, for example. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I like I like hearing that because it, it does apply to anything in your life. And, yes. and in your case, your artwork. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. And again, I feel um, that some uh, an art is like my escape. So I think given the current uh, situation in which we live in, right, the unpredictable time of COVID where we are not over it yet and we live in so many, uh, there are so many things that can happen ahead of us. So I would like really encourage everyone who's listening to this to at least indulge themselves in any activity that frees them from this uh, mental block of uh, unpredictability or worry or you know just uh, stress so i like to explain my art as my escape to the most uh, to uh, to the world beyond the mundane things in life so that's how i view art I want to go back just a little bit. You were talking about mentorship Mm -hmm. and we try to do it here at OWASP as well, because we have a lot of folks at at different levels of of their career. Why is mentorship critical for anyone in cybersecurity, both as a mentor and as a mentee? Mm -hmm. So um, I think I would like to take a special mention of gratitude to OWASP Portland because uh, Terry Tower is mm. has been a great source of inspiration for me he has been an amazing mentor for me because when i moved to the us i think i took a break as i was waiting on my work authorization and that time i think for a f- period of time my confidence had also gone down a little bit because of the covid situation and because of multiple things so terry was the person who actually stepped in during that time he, even though I was a, I mean, I have worked in this industry for almost eight years, but still I had those moments of uh, questioning myself and, you know, uh, I was not sure about many things. Terry, I mean, supported me selflessly. He uh, had, we had those bi-weekly sessions where without expecting anything in return he supported me he uh, had mock interview se- sessions with me he guided me on different uh, technology um, concepts including cloud security and so i just feel that mentoring is such a beautiful unconditionally supportive relationship where a mentor is like a gardener who's like nurturing and helping uh, people instead of just plants so and the mentee is like that little plant who's looking at the mentor (laughs) but also wanting to grow right to break from the soil and to evolve into a beautiful tree or a plant so i would like to have that analogy and at the same time i think it's a very critical uh, relationship that every person should uh, invest themselves in either as a mentor and a mentee and again and i would like to add that you you can also have multiple mentors you can have multiple mentees because it's again all about human connection because with each interaction you'll get to learn something new something exciting so it's yeah. like a sponge in some case right yes, that was yes. we were talking to someone previously and it some are short term and yes. some are the uh 
the student, a master type of thing, you know, yes. but it, it depends. And, but yeah, I, and I definitely agree with you both in your analogy, except I'm not very good at guarding, but <laughs> I, I do agree with that. It is, there is constant care, yes. understanding, especially if you want a success. And, and that's the end, right? Ultimately, you're going to have a, a successful bounty. That's the goal. And Absolutely. you're helping people along the way. Yes, I agree. And I would like to, again, give a big shout out to OAS Portland and also Terry Tower for the phenomenal work that they are doing for mentoring people. Thank you very much. Thanks for that. And thank you, Terry, if you're listening for uh, for your involvement, sharing our mentorship group and, and helping Starboard directly. Yeah, mentorship often is, is a thankless task. So it's awesome when you hear that you've made a difference. Thanks for that, Starboard. Thank you. So to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the companies that that I've been at, and it's you know it's it's kind of a, a broader trend, are moving towards global engineering, like twenty four seven, not just support full you know full feature work, and you know India plays a big part in that. And right. there's a book out there. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called The Geography of Thought, and it gets into how like different different parts of the world, different cultures think differently, mm-hmm. you know, communicate differently and whatnot. Right. And you've lived both in India as well as here. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the differences and the cultures and the way of thinking, setting expectations and communicating that could help us as listeners work better with our Indian counterparts? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I am essentially a small town girl from India who had these big dreams and who was empowered by education and inspired with this idea of creating a small impact. And I think uh, when I talk about Indians in general, I think they are uh, people who are very driven. uh, They are very um, passionate about what they do. And they're also, uh, I think, deep within, they want to make a difference. And they sometimes also go that extra step, outgrow themselves, no matter how difficult it is. So around the world, if you see, Indians also migrate a lot to different countries, trying to adapt to different cultures, because there's this drive of a nomadic mindset where they want to try different things. And I think in terms of communication and in terms of like building a cultural uh, integration together. I feel that there's a lot that both the cultures can learn from each other. And with Indians, I think there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of uh, hard work. And the culture here, which I feel is it's a very, very open-minded culture. It's a very welcoming culture where people are so interested to uh, take you in and they want to support you. So... A little bit, I think both the cultures can learn from each other, where I think Indians can learn a little more about being open and transparent in their communication while being assertive. Whereas from here, I think if you also, uh, if the people here can uh, see the empathetic side of Indians and embrace them and, you know, uh, integrate that, that into the work culture, I think it is like it is going to be a win-win situation for both sides. Thank you. So thank you so much, Sarba, for joining with us today. Thank you. Do you have, I know you talked about some stuff, but do you have any upcoming events or things that you would like to promote? Um, 
I would just maybe like to um, first of all, I would like to thank you for having me. As I and I as I mentioned, like I grew up listening to radio shows on analog radio, so it's like a dream come true for me to be here with you and Quiz uh, as this in this amazing podcast. So thank you so much for that. and i think i just want to mention a few pointers for anyone who is trying to join this industry and these are some short pointers that i've just collated so uh, the first step i would suggest anyone is to find a mentor because having a mentor can help you find identify your strengths and work on your weaknesses then gain practical hands on experience to tackle your imposter syndrome and insecurities in cybersecurity participate in bug bounty ctfs and any event that test your knowledge practically target at least maybe once industry certification per year to just keep you updated on the latest things that are happening network with cybersecurity professionals join cybersecurity communities and participate in webinars develop that adversaries mindset to stay one step ahead of them and uh, at in closing i would like to say that uh, please stay curious stay compassionate and uh, let's you know co create a cyber smart world so that's how i would like to end this <laughs> that's wonderful <laughs> wonderful well thank you sarva and we also want to thank you for your contribution uh, to oas and uh, including the training and of course all of this great advice that you gave us today Thank you so much John for having me it it has been my absolute honor and pleasure and thank you uh, for hosting this amazing podcast and for also doing so much for the community so we celebrate you thank you thanks Arna thank you to hear this podcast again visit anywhere a podcast is played for more information go to owasp.org forward slash www forward slash chapter forward slash Portland.